This is The Resident Review, a plastic surgery podcast. This is a platform designed for education of plastics, hand, and craniofacial surgery trainees from medical student to master surgeon. Our episodes take you through high-yield topics along with experts in their respective fields in order to maximize your knowledge and refine your techniques. If you like what you hear today, be sure to visit our website, theresidentreview.com, for episodes, outlines, resources, and more. Stay tuned after the episode for a brief message from our sponsors. Hi, and welcome back to The Resident Review. This is Rachel Hine and Lily Mundy, Duke Plastic Surgery Chief Residents. Today, we're going to be discussing this year's in-service test going section by section. Hopefully, it'll be a brief review for our incoming board test. So today, we'll be starting on comprehensive. Lily, do you want to get us started? Thanks, Rachel. I would love to. So to get us started with the comprehensive section, here are some high-yield findings. First, cervicofacial flaps. These are used for moderate to large defects of the cheek with attention-free repair. This avoids eyelid complications. A less optimal choice in these scenarios for patients would be a primary closure. However, this would be okay if it's a small defect. A split thickness skin graft, which can cause contracture and overall mismatch. A full thickness skin graft, which may appear patch-like, and tissue expanders, which are not ideal in an open wound, such as if you had a patient who needed an acute reconstruction for cancer. Next, hydradenitis. These are serial flares and cutaneous eruptions that are associated with the apocrine sweat glands. That starts with an A. I personally remember this by thinking A, all, they always smell. The apocrine glands always smell. FDA approved treatment includes Humira, which is adalumumab, a TNF-alpha inhibitor. Next, Z-plasties. So we're frequently tested on what the theoretical gain is in the Z-plasty angles. The one that I choose to remember is 60 degrees. This is most frequently used and this results in a gain in length of 75%. Less than 60 degrees, we have a 30 degree angle, which has a 25% length gain, 45 degree angle, which is a 50% length gain and a 75 degree angle, which is a 100% length gain. And then lastly, a 90 degree angle, which is 125% length gain. Next up, mycobacterium infections, specifically mycobacterium marinum can occur in patients with frequent contact of water and can be frequently misdiagnosed. Cultures should be sent in the Lowenstein-Jensen medium. Patients who have a penicillin allergy and crossover. So penicillin allergy is reported in approximately 10% of patients. Cross-reactivity with cephalosporins is 3%, which is less than a previously reported 8%. Next, lymphedema. Patients with morbid obesity frequently present with lymphedema, which can be of the bilateral lower extremities or of the penis. A stemmer sign indicates an inability to pinch the skin at the base of the second toe. In patients with morbid obesity or a BMI of greater than 50, 50% will resolve with weight loss alone, which could be through bariatric surgery. Next, wound care. Highly exudative wounds are best treated with hydrofibers. Mild to moderately exudative can be hydrocolloid and foam dressings, and no exudate from the wound can be treated well with hydrogels. Next, heterotopic ossification. This is a frequent complication of burn patients and the elbow is the most common site of occurrence. This can result in wounds and poor range of motion. Prevention includes radiation therapy and NSAIDs. Surgical excision here for heterotopic ossification is the procedure of choice. On an x-ray, you'll see soft tissue lamellar calcifications. Next, for gender affirmation surgery. In a penile inversion vaginoplasty, the appropriate plane of dissection is the retroprosthetic fascia. Vasopressors have no effects on overall success rates in deep flap breast reconstruction. We often monitor our flaps with near-infrared spectroscopy. This has been shown to detect vascular compromise before it becomes clinically obvious, which results in improved salvage rates in studies. 
All right, Rachel, you want to take over? Great. Thanks, Lily. So we're just kind of going in order of the test as you see it, which is why we're hopping around. But I think this will be a good review for our board. So talking about the radial form adipofascial perforator flap. This is a reliably thin and pliable flap, and it can be used for distal upper extremity reconstruction, like hand coverage, revision carpal tunnel surgery, or radio ulnar synostosis. Other advantages of this flap includes avoiding the need to sacrifice the radial artery because it is pedicled. The most distal perforators are as 1.5 centimeters proximal to the radial styloids. This will be the safe pivot point, um, which is about four centimeters proximal to the radial styloid. A tap block, we all know this, we're frequently tested on it. It's a transversus abdominis plane block. It blocks the abdominal fibers from T7 to L1, and T10 demonstrates the highest level of anesthesia, which we were tested on this year. Remember that the sensory nerves travel between internal oblique and transversus abdominis muscle. Botox dosage for axillary hyperhidrosis. This is under comprehensive. Can you believe it? It's 50 units per side. Palmer hyperhidrosis is 100 and plantar is 150, and this can give relief for two months. Vitamin C deficiency of this can cause impairment of collagen cross-linking via lysyl oxidase. So collagen cross-linking was the answer for that. Pressure sores, risk of recurrence. We've talked about this in our previous quick hits lectures, but just to touch on again, hemoglobin A1C greater than six, age less than 45, um, are risk factors for a recurrence of pressure sores. Osteomyelitis at the time of surgery is not a predictor as well as a low prealbumin. So those are the things to stump you up there. It's going to be hemoglobin A1C greater than six and age less than 45. Myelomeningocele, so protrusion of the meninges and spinal cord via defect in the caudal neural tube. Higher defects have more severe abnormalities, and we should repair these within the first 48 hours of life, which was the answer on our test. However, prenatal closure in the second trimester has better outcomes on hydrocephalus, and that is performed as well. And the reason that wasn't the answer in our test is because it was prenatal repair in the third trimester. And a preference over uh, C-section over vaginal delivery is preferred in these patients. Paradoxical adipose hyperplasia has shown up again on our test. Remember, this is a rare side effect of cryolipolysis, and treatment includes surgical liposuction after six to nine months. Anterior rectus sheath we were testing on. So talking about the anatomy of the abdominal wall a little bit. Above the arcuate line, the anterior rectus sheath is formed by the external oblique aponeurosis and the anterior internal oblique aponeurosis. The posterior rectus sheath is derived from the posterior internal oblique aponeurosis and the transverse abdominis. Below the arcuate line, the anterior rectus sheath is derived from all three of those, and the posterior rectus sheath doesn't exist. Um, the rectus muscle is separated from the abdominal viscera by the transversalis fascia and peritoneum. Xanthalasma. This is local accumulation of lipid deposits on the eyelid. We saw this on our test. Treatment includes surgical excision. It's benign, so you don't need margins. All right, Lils, do you want to talk to us a little bit about the WPATH guidelines for gender-affirming surgery? Yes, I would love to. Another frequently tested concept on our exams. So for the WPATH criteria, this gives some guidance for surgeons in terms of indicating patients for surgery. It states that all patients considering transgender surgery do require a psychologic evaluation to determine their appropriateness for surgery. In most countries, it's recommended that patients be of decision age. This would be greater than 18 or 18 or older in the United States prior to surgery for patients who are minors who would like to undergo surgery, then this states that the patient, the care team, a, psycho a psychologist and guardians should all believe that a delay of top surgery would cause harm for this individual. In addition, patients should have a year of hormone therapy for top surgery, which is as a suggestion in a patient who's going from male to female, however, not a requirement. All right, nerve gaps. 
This is another frequently tested concept in our tests. Nerve gaps longer than three centimeters should undergo autologous nerve grafts over conduits or other forms of nerve reconstruction. In burns, the least resistance for electrical burns is muscle, the highest resistance is cortical bone, and then we're also frequently tested on the worst injury based on cross-sectional area with um, the smallest cross-sectional areas having the worst degree of burn. BMP2 or bone morphogenic protein 2 versus iliac crest and alveolar bone grafting have been shown to have equivalent results. However, there's increased severe edema with the use of BMP2 in comparison to iliac crest um, for an alveolar bone graft. All right, moving on to breast reconstruction. Stacked flop reconstruction should use an antero and retrograde ipsilateral IM vessels. The thoracochromial can be used as a lifeboat for venous outflow if needed, but is not the initial choice in a stacked flap. In terms of cranioplasty options, hydroxyapatite has osteoconductive properties and can be used with titanium to increase strength. A peak implant can be used for a custom cranioplasty. However, polymethylmethacrylate is the most commonly used. A prerequisite is a healthy and well-perfused soft tissue envelope with no contact with the paranasal sinuses, as these have a high risk of infection. In patients who have a risk of flat failure or thrombosis, such as connective tissue disease or lupus, these patients should obtain a preoperative hypercoagulability workup prior to undergoing their, their flap um, reconstruction. We are frequently tested upon the side effects and function of topical treatments for burn patients. Mafenide acetate is a carbonic anhydrase inhibitor. This can be used for cartilage burns of the ear and it has great SCAR penetration. However, it does carry the risk of metabolic acidosis particularly in those patients who have a respiratory tract injury. Silver sulfadiazine has a side effect of leukopenia and hyperosmolarity, and silver nitrate has a side effect of electrolyte imbalances such as hyponatremia and methoglobinemia. All right, so we'll talk a little bit about posterior component separation. So this includes dissection of the retrorectus plane to release the transversus abdominus muscle medial to the linea semilunaris. This allows for medialization of the posterior rectus sheath, transversalis fascia complex, and subsequent closure. And mesh is typically used for the anterior component of closure. The pap flap or the profunda artery perforator flap, these perforators typically course through the adductor magnus muscle. And because of the variability, a preoperative CT scan is recommended. Spiroadenoma, I had never heard of this. Treatment includes reassurance and observation after excisional biopsies as it is a benign uh, neoplasm. Gracilis flap, frequently tested on again. The pedicle is found between the adductor longus and magnus muscles, seven centimeters distal to the pubic symphysis. Keloids, again, same question as previous years. Treatment with radiation should begin within 24 hours after surgery and predictors of relapse include male gender, younger age, less than 29. Large keloids, high tension areas, and skin grafts for reconstruction. Ulnar artery perforator flap. This is typically more likely to be able to be closed primarily and has less risk for tendon exposure when compared to the radial forearm flap. And that was the question from this year. Remember that the radial artery does have a longer pedicle and is able to incorporate bone more reliably than the ulnar artery perforator flap. Aging process. We've talked about this before in our quick hits. Aged skin has epidermal thinning, decreased cellular turnover, undergoes considerable atrophy, Keratinocyte proliferation declines, dermal epidermal junction flattens, and collagen fibrils will become disorganized. Pressure ulcers, we've also talked about this. Sacral wounds are best reconstructed with a gluteal V to Y advancement flap, which was our question this year. Pedicle tensor fascia lata is used for trochanteric ulcers and biceps femoris V to Y for deep ischial ulcers. 
when we're talking about cutaneous melanomas, these develop in the stratum basale, which is one of the layers of the skin. The layers from superficial to deep include the stratum corneum, granulosum, spinosum, and basale. Remember, basal cell carcinomas also rise from this basal layer. Dog bites, we know about this. The most common pathogen is pasteurella, staph strep, and I've never heard of this, but catenocytophagia kininorsis. First line therapy is augmentin, which is amoxclav. Second choice is clindobacterium and those with a penicillin allergy. So clindobacterium was the answer. Remember that fluoroquinolones and doxycycline carry the risk of bone discoloration and tendon rupture in pediatric patients. Okay, exposed TE. We all know the answer to this. This should undergo TE removal in the operating room, particularly if the patient receives post-mastectomy radiation as this doubles the risk of complications. So while attempting salvage is uh, maybe tempting, you should not try, just take it out. BIAALCL, breast implant associated lymphoma. It is CD30 positive, which we know, but it is ALK negative, which I didn't know I got this question wrong. Disease typically is contained within the capsule and the fluid immediately adjacent to the implant. Patients will typically present with a delayed serama, more common in texture devices, workup with aspiration and ultrasound is indicated as, as well as a right gizma stain. Remember that a systemic ALCL is ALK positive, but the breast is ALK negative, and that's what differentiates that from systemic anaplastic lymphoma. Prepectoral implant reconstruction versus submuscular. Prepectoral implant reconstruction may be associated with more rippling of the upper pole that may require fat grafting. It has less pain and earlier return of function, and submuscular is more camouflage, but will have the animation deformity. So animation deformity was the answer in this question. The ideal candidate for prepectoral is BMI less than 30, so nothing else has been proven like skin flap thickness. Infantile hemangiomas is characterized by rapid growth and increased cellular proliferation. The clinical course includes rapid proliferation during the first nine months of life, followed by gradual involution until two and a half years of age. This is more common in females. A herald patch will present first and up to 50% of cases. Yeah, that question got me because I always remember infantile, comparing infantile versus congenital, but then you have to remember that an infantile can start with a herald patch. All right, to finish out this section, facial burns, lag ophthalmos, and patient complaints warrant intervention. This could involve a contracture release and full thickness skin grafting if early, you wanna consider possible donor sites and what their involvement is. Giant melanocytic and EVI risk of melanoma is now thought to only be 0.7 to 2.9% risk. The risk of malignant transformation is higher in trunk lesions and it can occur in satellite lesions as well as the main lesion. Lentigo maligna, this is the most common melanoma in situ. It arises in chronically sun-exposed areas. Treatment is excision with five to 10 millimeter margins. Second line treatment is topical 5% imiquimod and radiation. For options for vaginoplasty, Inversion vaginoplasty with penile scroll flaps are most commonly used. The size of the neovaginal canal depends on the penile size and may be smaller if the patient is on hormonal therapy. For penetra penetrative sex, it requires a length of four and a half to 11 centimeters. Otherwise, intestinal vaginoplasty may be used, which was, does not depend on penile size. Scalp closure. The release of galial aponeurosis is important for scalp advancement, and this is performed in parallels of one centimeters to provide adequate release. And remember that the release you get is perpendicular to the direction that you're cutting. Remember the layers of the scalp by the mnemonic scalp, skin, connective tissue, galial aponeurosis, with the A being part of the scalp there, loose areolar tissue, and lastly, pericranium. 
And then elate seroma and implant cases, we've talked about this a little bit already for workup of BIALCL, but here are the workup, the first test imaging test orders and ultrasound. All right, thank you so much for joining us with our for our revisionary quick hits, which is going over this year's tests. I hope this helps a little bit with board preparation, and we'll see you next time. We would like to thank Allergan for their continued support of our podcast. Allergan Aesthetics is now a part of AbbVie, an international leader in many different therapeutic categories. Many of the topics and therapies we discuss on our podcast are provided by Allergan. They continue to be a leader in the fields of breast reconstruction, abdominal wall reconstruction, medical aesthetics, and much more. Additionally, they are dedicated to supporting the education of plastic surgery residents and plastic surgeons across the country.